All right, it's preaching time. Brother Kevin, you come. Uh, everybody knows Brother Kevin, maybe for the visitors. Uh, Brother Kevin's been in South Africa, uh, Port Elizabeth for the last 17 years. Met his wife there, uh, and we thank God for that because we were praying he'd get a good wife. And I baptized Kevin and Brother Mark Coffey and Miss Amy Cofield, now Coffey, on the same baptism service. A hundred years ago. No, I don't know when it was. Amen. When they were just young people. So don't ever underestimate the value of reaching young people like we did yesterday. Master Club, you're doing a wonderful job. And you know what I th appreciate about Brother Kevin? He could be out uh, playing for the NFL, kneeling during the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and being a heathen. But uh, God called him out of that. And um, he gave up a $100,000 scholarship to VMI and said, I'm going to Bible college. The coach personally called here and told us off that we were hindering this young man's life by not letting him take that scholarship. We would have let him have it, but uh, he chose not the things of this world, Brother Anderson, but he chose a greater work, and that's uh, taking the gospel to South Africa and around the world. So you pray for Brother Kevin as he comes and preach. We appreciate him, love him. He's one of ours, and we, we uh, Appreciate what God's doing through him. Amen. God bless Amen. you, Brother Kevin. Thank you, Amen. Amen. You can take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to the book of Philippians. We're going to look in the book of Philippians today. Uh, just want to say I enjoyed uh, Brother Anderson's Sunday school lesson this morning and, the, man, the testimonies. And I've only heard good things. I've never been there to see the ministry, but I've only heard great things about what God's done with him and his family in Mexico. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know him better over this uh, furlough. Um, as he was talking about his kids and giving their ages, it sounded like a phone number, 770-934-5182, extension 224 or something. So, man, all the more respect for that. Uh, that is awesome, though. They're doing an awesome job. Jonathan is a great guy. He's got a great family, and it would be a privilege for Whitfield Baptist Church to be able to partner with them. And uh, that's awesome. Uh, I want you to take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Philippians. I just wanted to uh, kind of as we, we get started, you guys know us, uh, but, you know, just thinking back about what God has done in our lives through this church. You know, we're a product of Whitfield Baptist Church. Uh, this is the only church I've ever been a member of in the United States. Uh, I got saved here. I got called to preach here. Uh, got a lot of my training in and through this church. Some of the things that I'm most confident about doing in South Africa uh, are things that I saw uh, my pastor do and youth pastor do and men in, in, in this church do uh, here at Whitfield Baptist Church. Uh, it was Daryl Cox who bought me my first Bible. Um, uh, you know, Sunday school in this church, uh, where I cut my teeth in the ministry, uh, messing up a lot of y'all's kids in the children's ministry here at Whitfield Baptist Church. And... Uh, uh, Miss Jackson, she was actually teaching kindergarten when I was in kindergarten at Westside uh, Primary School. She appreciates me saying that. That makes her feel real young. <laughs> but uh, this church has had an incredible impact in my life. I'm nothing special. Um, there's no reason why I should be in South Africa as to someone else uh, being over there. It's just uh, kind of being in the way. The Lord led me, and God... Uh, I, was a, I was a willing person, and, and God uh, led me in that direction. Uh, but 
all along the way, this church has been a part of that. Uh, I can remember how ridiculous, I mean, looking back on it now, especially arriving in the field, I think around 2006, uh, when Corley and I got there, we, we got married and this church had given us a wonderful uh, wedding shower. And uh, I told my wife, I was like, I'll just leave all that stuff here, we'll get stuff on that side. So we, we gave away all of our wedding gifts and we, we packed up some duffel bags and we got on an airplane, we flew to South Africa and we, I got a truck over there and uh, bought a washer and dryer, we threw those duffel bags in the back of it and from where Corley was born, or not born but where she grew up at, we drove about 10 hours south from there and never been to this city before and started church planning uh, there in Port Elizabeth, South Africa. Devil tried to kill us on the way down. Uh, I was driving along follow, following my mother-in-law. That might have been the first mistake. Uh, and and uh, we were passing a truck, and there was a car coming. I couldn't see it. And uh, we drove off the road. We went down an embankment at probably 80 miles an hour. And we're, we're, we're I mean, the, the truck's bouncing. We're doing this right here on the, I mean, going down the side of this embankment. And I just, I'm holding the steering wheel, and I ask, I, I looked at Corley. I don't think I looked at her, but I remember saying, what in the world are we doing? And really, that was a statement for what in the world are we doing uh, where we're about to go. We pulled into that city, and I can remember, you know, you're, you're, you're faking it till you make it, uh, acting all calm, cool, and collected, but we pulled into a city of over a million people, and I have no idea where I'm at and uh, can't speak the language of the closer people. I don't, I, I don't know anybody in the city, no one. And, uh, and from there, God just allowed us to meet some people and see some people saved. And eventually, uh, we learned a language uh, and start a church. And now there's more laborers there, and it's all to the glory of God. Uh, I mean... God really gets glory out of uh, foolish things. And that was just a, a really uh, a foolish scenario there. But God worked something incredible out of it. Now there's Bible-believing, preaching churches there in Port Elizabeth, South Africa, amongst the close of people, and more to be started in the future. And that's all to the glory of God. But that's all also a product of Whitfield Baptist Church. And there's still way more to be done, way more to be done, way more opportunities to serve God. And so this morning, as we look at Philippians chapter 1, um, I want to I wanna start off with this. Uh, I've been praying about what to preach, but this is the, the message that gave me this, uh, God kind of pointed me to this morning. But when I get a call from, from these pastors in South Africa, uh, or, or email or something, and they're needing counsel or help or wisdom or whatever, uh, maybe guidance in a certain situation, uh, I, I, I want to give them the best advice that I possibly can. And when I was, I had, I had COVID, one of the pastors called me, and, or, or yeah, he, he called me and I missed his call. And uh, he was in a bad situation, needed help urgently. And uh, so I just, I didn't even think about it, I just called him back. And, and Verizon was uh, kind enough at the end of that phone call, toward the end of it, to say, there's a, send me a message that says, there's a cheaper way to make this phone call. Uh, and uh, almost $200 later, I finished that phone call, and luckily, our, our pastor is good at negotiations. He got that, he got that phone bill down, uh, but I say that to say, man, when these guys call me, I don't just flippantly say stuff to them. You know, I want to pray about it. I want to make sure that anything that I say is the best possible advice that I can possibly give them. I may talk to other pastors and ask them about 
what they're dealing with before I go back to this person to tell them what they should do. Um, it's because I care about them, you know. I've invested part of my life into them. Uh, I don't want to see them make mistakes. I want them to be more successful than I am. I want them to do better than I, I have done. And so I want to give them the best advice I possibly can. And so as I was thinking about that, I'm thinking about this book, uh, the book of Philippians. You know, the Apostle Paul writes this book. But there's blood, sweat, and tears behind this letter. Uh, This is not a a get-rich scheme. This is not a flippant thing, uh, a little side thing that Paul had going on in his life. No, he's shipwrecked. He's been beaten. He's been imprisoned. His life has almost been taken from him many times over, trying to birth these churches, trying to get the gospel to these people. And he calls them in Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, his joy and his crown. His treasures, Brother Jonathan, were these people, these believers that he would see one day in eternity. And as he writes this letter, obviously under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's giving them the best counsel and advice and encouragement and challenges that he possibly can because he wants the church at Philippi to hit its mark. And and Whitfield Baptist Church, I want to say this morning that I I know your pastor and I know that, that the God of heaven wants this church to hit its mark. And, and I'll say this, that Whitfield Baptist Church has done amazing things in the years that it, it has existed. But in every generation, in every year, there's continuously a mark to be hit. And so we can't just rest and, and look back and rejoice on what's been done, but we always got to be moving forward. And there's always new people coming into the church, people that are getting saved and being added to the church. And so we always got to be thinking about this. How are we going to hit our mark as a church? And when we stop thinking that way is when this church is going to start declining and it's going to start dying. I go into a lot of churches, and I've been in churches even in South Africa, and their mentality is is that this thing exists for them. And they think as long as I can have a potluck dinner or, or, or some, some fellowship or uh, a, a gathering with some friends in the church, that that's what the church is really about. No, friend. If that's all the church is about, I think the, the doors will eventually be closed or there will not be people getting saved here. There will be no glory for God in this place. And there will be a lot of lukewarm Christians sitting inside of here. We always have to have an outward focus, a focus on the world. If we want God's blessings on this place, we constantly got to be looking beyond ourselves to a world that is lost and dying and on its way to hell. The world population at this time, 7.8 billion people. They say 2.1 billion Christians in this world. But let me just put a little, a little reality check on that. 50% of that number is Roman, Roman Catholic. And then within that, there's a whole lot of other things. You can scrape that number down and down and down and down to get the reality of how many actual Christians in this world over, in a world of over almost 8 billion people. There's a lot of work to be done. And if this world's going to be reached, God has already told us how he's going to do it. He's going to do it through local churches like Whitfield Baptist Church. So we got to be firing on all cylinders, on all cylinders. And parents, you want your kids to serve God or you want them to serve some false idol one day? Then they got to see a fire and a passion in your heart about the things of God. they got to see that you that this thing is real to you. 
And so you're setting the example for your kids this very week. This very week uh, during Faith Promise Missions uh, Conference. And so I want us to see these three goals that Paul set for each member of the church at Philippi for this church to hit its mark. And so as I preach this morning, this is for all of us. Each member of this church, for Whitfield Baptist Church to hit its mark as a church, we all got to be doing these things. So number one is this. We, got all, we all have to be striving for the gospel. Look at verse number 27 of chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, only let your conversation, that is your life, your overall life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. For the faith of the gospel. So he says, let your conversation match the gospel that you say you believe in. Let your life match the gospel that you say you believe in. Now, let's, this is not even really what I'm trying to hit at this morning, but I want you to see this. Your life match the gospel that you say you believe in. What is the gospel? It is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But why did Jesus die on the cross? To reconcile ungodly men with a holy God. And if that doesn't happen, what happens to those ungodly people? They experience eternal punishment in a lake of fire for all eternity, unending. So let your life, Christian, your conversation match the gospel that you say that you believe. As we were walking in this morning, Pete looked at me and he said, hey, I was going to wear my blue jacket this morning, but I wasn't sure it matches what I'm wearing. I'm not sure either. I don't know half the time if what I'm wearing matches or not. I just guess at it, and if people don't look at me funny, I feel like I'm good. But ladies, you know what matches. You know what matches. And some of you guys in here, you got a little feminine touch to you, and you know a little bit better what matches too. I'm just kidding. You really, some of you are pointing at people, and no, I'm just kidding. Matches, though. But friend, if we could see through the eyes of God, or maybe, maybe better yet, if we could get into a, a peek into hell and see the people that are dying or that have died and are, are suffering eternally down there, and they could get a glimpse of the life that we're living in relation to the gospel that we say we believe, and in the reality of hell, that they would say, that doesn't go together. That person's priorities, that person's heart, that person's lifestyle, it does not match the gospel that they say they believe. You see, friend, this missions conference is, or revival, sorry, is the most important meeting of the year. Because we're going to decide in this meeting how important the Great Commission is to this church, which is the marching orders that Christ left us with to take his gospel to the ends of the earth. And the ends of the earth, that's the farthest place from Whitfield Baptist Church, taking the gospel to that place, to every creature, no matter how, how depraved, no matter how far from God, to those people, getting the gospel to them, that is the most important thing. And we need to make sure that the, the life that we're living, the priorities that we have, the way we spend our money, the way we spend our time, the way we spend our talents and abilities, that it matches the gospel that we say that we believe. 
he says that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. If this church is going to hit its mark, each member in this church has to be striving for the gospel, young and old. Let me just speak to the older generation. Maybe, you know, they call the the older class in this church the glory class. I think there was a joke made because the next class that you're going on to is the glory class. But you still have time to make your mark on this world, specifically this church, your family, your kids, your grandkids. And maybe they've seen some wrong priorities out of your life. Maybe they've seen some lukewarm Christianity. Maybe they've seen you promote and preach and talk about things that were, that were a lot less than the main thing. Well, maybe this week is time for you to make a change and to realize that if, if you don't do something in your kids' lives, in your children, grandchildren's lives, then who will? Who's going to love them more than you love them? And if you truly love them, surely you would point them in the right direction to strive for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to live for the main thing on this earth, to live for the only one true God of this world, striving for the gospel. It means, this word striving means to wrestle together with, to labor with. Paul is alluding to those Olympic games and side by side on the same team. I want you to think think of the dedication of an Olympic athlete. They eat, they drink, they sleep that sport that they want to perform in. Kids, kids all over the world grow up wanting to, to reach that level. And they, they practice and they, they do all the different things. They work out, they lift weights, they run, they exercise, they get specialized coaching, all these sorts of things. But only a small portion of even those make it to that Olympic level. Now, church, take that word Take that idea and apply it to how you strive for the gospel. Why is so much of Africa still still in darkness? Why is so much of India still in darkness? Why is so much of China still in darkness? Jesus told us the harvest is truly plenteous. The problem is the the laborers are few. We're striving for a whole lot of things. You have accomplished much. But what have you accomplished when it comes to getting the gospel to the ends of the earth? How's your effort in that? Is it ridiculous? If if, if we were able to see on kind of that that level, that that video game show, the level of effort that you give toward striving for the gospel, would it be pitiful? Would it be pitiful? He says, strive for the gospel. It's a united effort. One spirit, that Holy Spirit, one mind in close association. Remember, this church is a local body of baptized believers who voluntarily have joined themselves together. For what? To carry out the Great Commission. That's our our thing. That's what we do. If you're a part of a church and, 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 and that's not the reason behind it, that's not the focus of it, then you're not in a real church. Because the real church 
has a real command from the Lord Jesus Christ to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's one telltale sign of a real church and, and non-real church. Are they focused on the command of the Lord Jesus Christ, the founder of it, the one who, who purchased it with his own blood? If that's not at the bottom of it, if that's not the core purpose of that church, it's not one. In school, if you did track and field, a common question as you go to the event was, which events are you doing today? You know, kids asking one another. And you should know which ones they were and where they were taking place back in my day. I'm not talking about now. I'm sure they got, they probably put like electronic bracelets on you or something, zap you and make sure you're in the right place. But back then, you'd just be dumped off in a bus uh, and there's just all kinds of schools and kids roaming around and mingling with one another and these events taking places in different places. If you weren't careful, you'd miss your event and cost your team a lot of points. If we're not careful, church, we'll miss our event. Uh, this church wants you to grow in the Lord. This church wants to help your family. This church help, wants to help your marriage. They have marriage retreats. That's not for Brother Wayne, that's for you. This church has children's ministries. His children are grown. That's not for his children, that's for your children. That's for the children of the community. All these different things. But the main focus of Whitfield Baptist Church, the overall arching focus and, and effort of this church is beyond what's happening just here, but at the ends of the earth. The reason we're supporting or going to support Jonathan Anderson is because we're not in Mexico, but we have a command to reach the Mexican people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have a, we have a command. It's not an option. We have a command to reach those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're to be striving, giving that Olympic-type effort toward reaching those people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Striving for the gospel is our event. Help this church show up for its event to give it your best shot. Are you striving for the gospel? What do you live for? What do you work for? What is the end of all your means? Now more than ever, now more than ever, now more than ever, this world is distracted, and I think a lot of churches are distracted. And, and the devil, man, he is so deceptive. He doesn't come through the front door. He's got, he, knows how to, he knows how to get us off target. He knows how to get us to hate our neighbors rather than to have compassion upon them and try to save them from the fire to come. So now more than ever, we have to work at keeping the main thing the main thing. Lost people in this world are doing what lost people do. Sin. Do offensive things. Shake their fingers in the face of God. Mock God. Mock the things of God. That's what lost people do. But what the gospel does, it's the power of God unto salvation. It saves the most wretched of those people. We got to stay focused on the main thing. Striving together for the gospel. Refuse to be distracted or detoured from that. All of our strength is one man's thought. All of our time, all of our strength, all of our effort, all of our money, our days to the supreme and superhuman task of making Christ known to every creature. And this is, this is every member in this church. Each one of us individually striving for the gospel. 
but it's kind of like tug, tug of war. Everybody's on the rope, but everybody pulling together in the same direction. Don't be that guy that's pulling to the left or pulling to the right or helping the enemy out, pulling back the other direction, but everybody pulling in the same direction together. It just makes sense. Striving together for the gospel. Let me say this before I go on to the next point, but don't be a cause or a source of distraction or infighting. They will cause efforts and energy that could be used to further the gospel on your pettiness. This church is striving together, not against one another. And striving together, uh, unfortunately, infighting in a church is all too common. I don't even have to talk to Brother Wayne to find out if there's any sort of fighting in a church. It'd be a, a miracle of God if there's not. The Bible talks about peace, that we have to constantly pursue it because it's constantly getting up and walking out the door. So we got to work at peace amongst ourselves and realize that, man, I, 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 might, I might be easily offended. I've got to be able to get over stuff, forgive quickly, because I'm not the most important person here. My thing is not the most important thing. My problem is not the most important problem. The biggest problem, the one that we've got to stay focused on, is there's a world to be reached with the gospel. Secondly, not only striving together for the gospel, but secondly, we're going to shine as bright as we can. Each one of us. You're striving. You're pulling as hard as you can. Are you pulling as hard as you can? We're going to strive as hard as we can for the gospel. We're going to shine as bright as we can. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. It says that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom you shine as lights in this world. You see, this, this life is not about you becoming the best you. It's not about you at all, really. It's about you becoming the best imitation, reflection, follower, disciple of Jesus Christ, a son or daughter of God that you can. You see, this world that we live in, we talked about, is in darkness. The whole world lies in darkness and is headed for eternal darkness. Lost people are stumbling through this life and eventually they fall off into a bottomless pit the world and the people of it, Paul says here, are crooked and perverse. That's what this world is made up of. They're distorted and perverted. They're children of the devil. That's what this world is made up of, children of the devil. What would you expect of them? What would you expect of them? The kind of things that we see right now are the things that we would expect of them. But you, Christian are becoming more and more a clearer and straighter image of the God who created you. What sin, sin distorted in Adam, God is making clear in you through Christ in you. So what I'm, I'm getting at is part of God's love, part of God's mercy, part of God's long-suffering and grace 
to this dark, dying world is you reflecting Jesus Christ. Is you shining for the Lord Jesus Christ. I remember in South Africa, it wasn't too long into my trip there, or into my time there, that Lubabalo, Pastor Lubabalo that many of you have met, he had a heart and, a, and a, he wanted to go reach the people where he grew up, where his mom had sold him as a slave to a man. He wanted to go back and reach that man for Christ and reach the people of that village for Christ. He wanted to share the gospel with them. And so we loaded up several guys, my truck, we headed off. And we went to this place, I think it was called Montfrey. Montfrey, I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. We pulled up this place, and it's just, there's a house here, there's a house way over there, a house way over there, a house way over there, and it's in the middle of kind of hills and mountains. And so we pulled up to the, the, the man that Lou Balo had grown up in his house, and uh, he welcomes us in, and we, st- we get out, we had made up some little gospel uh, papers and invitations. We went out door to door to these houses, they were far apart. We invited them, they all said they're coming, went back to the house, we were going to have it that evening. And I thought, well, I guess nobody's showing up. Six o'clock came around. Seven o'clock came around. Eight o'clock came around. Nine o'clock came around. I thought, wow, that was a failure. Ten o'clock came around. Eleven o'clock comes around. Maybe even later than that, people start coming into the house. There's no electricity. It's pitch black. And for long, this whole house is filled up with people from this village. And then Pastor Lubavalo, he wasn't a pastor then, but he introduced me and had me preach to these people. We shared the gospel to these people. All there was in that room was maybe a candle. That was it. And it is, it is pitch. I mean, it feels like the stars. You can reach up and grab them. It's so dark in this area. And I think that's a picture, really, of what this world is like. That that little village is just a small little piece of the whole world. That there are people all over this world with no gospel. With no gospel. They just need a candle. They just need a life. They just need somebody that would get beyond themselves and say, Man, I'm tired of living for myself. This life is not about me. I'll give my life. God, I'm not much. But if you want to use my life for the gospel, you want to use my life in some strange land, you want to use me as a, as a candle in some dark place, God, I'll, I'll be that person. Shining as brightly as you can. But even here in this church, this church has a command to reach the world with the gospel. And if that's going to happen, each member in this church needs to be Striving to shine as brightly as they can. That means you're going to put some things away. That means you're going to cut some things off. That means you're going to rearrange some priorities. That means you're going to start learning some things that you don't know. That means you're going to start growing in Christ like you should. You're going to be able to share the gospel with someone. And shine as brightly as you can to increase the lumens of Whitfield Baptist Church. Jesus said, ye are the light of the world, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid, 
Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. How bright is your light shining? You received the gospel, but there are people all over this world, all over this world, that have never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if that was your kids that had never heard the gospel and they were on their way to a devil's hell, to eternal punishment, where the Bible says that they will be, they will be tormented day and night, forever and ever, would you want them to get a light? Would you want them to have at least a candle of the gospel? Would you want them to have at least one preacher to tell them about Jesus before they died? How are you striving for the gospel? How bright is your light shining? How are you helping this church to reach the world with the gospel? Jesus said this in John 9, 5. He says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. What would that statement say for you? As long as I am in the world, I'm going to be the most successful businessman in the world. As long as I'm in the world, I'm going to be the biggest Atlanta Falcons fan, said no one. As long as I'm in the world, I'm going to make more money than anybody else in my family. As long as I'm in the world, I'm going to be the first person to get a college education at the state university. As long as I'm in the world, I'm going to be successful. As long as I'm in the world, I'm going to do As long as I'm in the world, but you were bought with a price. I don't have to shy away from this. Friend, your life is not your own. You do not get to decide what you want to do with your life. If you're a true born-again Christian, you don't have the rights to your life anymore. You're a thief. The title deed is in heaven with Jesus Christ. Your life is hid with Christ. So you don't have an option about this. If you want to be right with God... As long as I'm in the world, I am not the light, but I am a light that will reflect the light in this world. And can we just be honest? We make some of the most ridiculous, immature, biblically illiterate excuses for not serving God. I talk to young people all the time. What are you going to do with your life? I say, have you ever considered missions? Well, if God calls me, I'll go. That sounds real spiritual. It's a cop-out. You're not doing anything in the world about going to the mission field. As Jonathan talked about this morning, the default setting in all of our lives is to go unless God providentially hinders us from going. He commanded us to go. So if I go and make a mistake in going and people get saved and Lives are changed and I get to heaven. God says, Kevin, I didn't really call you to South Africa. That may be the case. That may be the case. Because God didn't shine a light out of heaven into my life and say, Kevin, this is where I want you. I never got a message other than the scriptures that go ye into all the world where I knew that God wanted me to go to South Africa. I prayed about it. I asked God about it a lot. But Brother Daryl, I never got a message, I never got a voice in my head that said, Kevin, 
go to South Africa. I heard preachers like Brother Wayne and Brother Gardner and other ones preaching about there's a world to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The same gospel that saved you. Your life is not your own. I saw people preaching the word of God that changed people's lives and I thought, hey, God, if you'll use me, I'll go. God directed my steps. What's your excuse? Are you striving for the gospel? Are you shining as brightly as you can? No wonder our kids go to the devil. Because they see us living for the devil. They see our fake Christianity. Our lukewarmness. Our going through the motions. They see that we're not really surrendered to the Lord like we claim to be. Shine as brightly as you can. Strive for the gospel with your church. Thirdly, supply your service. Look at Philippians chapter 2, verse 30. Because for the work of Christ, he was nigh to death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. This statement is coming on the heels of Paul having said, for all seek their own not the things which are Jesus Christ. Ouch. I'm not being rough this morning. Guys, I'm not, I'm not arrived. I've got a long ways to go. As a husband, as a father, as a missionary, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to you, and I love each and every one of you. I don't want you to think I'm, I'm shooting at you this morning. I'm just, a, I'm just a mailman this morning, really. But notice what Paul says. Notice what he says again. Philippians 2.21 for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. I'm spiritual. I lead the Bible study. For, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. There was a church. He's talking to church people. He's not talking about devilish people. But when Paul summed them up, he said, for all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. If you were honest about your life, Are all your priorities up here and all of Jesus' priorities down here? Things that you love more than anything, are they up here? And the things that Jesus loves, are they down here? All these things up here, are they the most important? Then then when you get down here, ah, yeah, you know what? There probably are some Nigerians that don't know Jesus. There probably are some Somalians that don't know Christ. That might crack my top ten. For all seek their own, not the things which are Jesus Christ. If Paul was, if he really knew you, if he knew Whitfield Baptist Church, would he say that about you? Yeah, he's seeking his own things, not the things which are Jesus Christ. Just because you're a church member doesn't make you a good Christian. But there was another man who was seeking the things of Christ. His name was Epaphroditus. And that's who Paul is speaking of in verse number 30, where he says, because for the work of Christ he was nigh unto death, not regarding his life, to supply your lack of service toward me. 
Paul says about him again in verse 25. He says, yet I suppose it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother, listen, companion in labor, fellow soldier, but your messenger, and he that ministered to my wants. Epaphroditus was literally killing himself to do the work he should have been doing for the Lord, but also doing the work that others should have been doing for the Lord. He said to supply your lack of service toward me. Look around your church. There's a lot that goes on at Whiffle Baptist Church. Who in this church is working harder than they should have to to supply your lack of service? Does I give? I'm not talking about your money. I'm talking about your service. God saved you. He gave you a gift. But maybe you've never matured to the point where you started using your gift. Who's laboring here harder than they should have to because you're enjoying all the benefits of the church but not trying to be a blessing to your church? Supplying your lack of service. Who's not going that should? Remember that harvest? It's plenteous. It's a whole world. They say 90% of our Christian workers work in the United States, which makes up 10% of the world's population. I was never good at math. My 10th grade algebra teacher told me I was the worst student he ever had. I'm still bitter about that. But I can't argue with it. But I can do that math, and that just does not make sense. It doesn't make sense. Who's not going that should? Who in here, God is, God is tugging at your heart. You need to be a missionary. God wants to use your life. And you need to get over yourself and get over the plans that you've made without, without going to God and asking Him first, what do you want to do with my life? I believed messages growing up that I heard repeatedly. Jesus is coming again. Hell is hot. Hell is God unleashing his wrath on ungodly men. And that there is a gospel that will save anyone. And that there is only one name under heaven whereby men can be saved. It's the name Jesus Christ. If that is true, then there should be more people going. Even from Whitfield Baptist Church. So who in this church is not providing their missionary service that should be? Parents, don't protect your children from God. The most satisfying, successful, safe place they could be might be in the very mouth of the lion in some foreign country. But if they're following and living for God, that's the safest place that that person could be because there's an omnipotent God watching over them. Rather than in rebellion, headed to Tarshish, going to end up in the well of a a bell, uh, the belly of a whale. Paul said in Ephesians 4.16, talking about the ministry of a pastor, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, making increase of the body under the edifying of itself in love. So the job of the pastor, he's building up the church. The teachers in the church are building, maturing believers, building them up. 
but not so that all the mature Christians can, can go from teenagers in Christ to full adults in Christ living in their parents' basement. But that eventually some of those fully matured Christians would get out of here and go take the same message as they've matured in Christ to some other place that doesn't have this message. What would you do if you were helping someone move and instead of them helping you, they had the audacity to sit on the couch and bark orders at you? How would you, how would you feel about that? Some of us own businesses, you own businesses, and you would fire guys. You would fire guys if they had the attitude on the job that many have about the church and the work of the church. Somebody ought to do that. Somebody needs to do that. Somebody should do that. Well, why don't you do that? What's stopping you? So I would be, I would be a missionary, Kevin. I, I, would, I would do mission work. I'd do that. Well, what's stopping you? Well, what's the next step? Have you tried to take the next step? No. Well, maybe try to take that next step and see if God allows you to take that next step. And if you take that step and you try to take the next one, God stops you, fine. But until you take that next step, until God stops you, go. Epaphroditus was a true brother, a companion in labor. He was striving with Paul, not against him. And, and friend, there were a lot of people striving against Paul. Not just people outside the church, but people in the church, causing him a lot of harm and hurt. A fellow soldier of Christ, ministering even to the wants, the Bible says, of the Apostle Paul. He did not regard his life, but sought the things of Christ. Dale Moody once said this, he said, Life, listen to this, life is simply a stewardship and not an ownership. A trust and not a gift. With a gift, you may do as you please, right? Somebody gives you a gift, you do with it what you want to. But with a trust, you must give account. Your life is a trust. It's a stewardship. You give account of it one day. As a church member, are you supplying your service? You're part of the service. One aspect of that will be faith, promise, missions giving. But there's a whole lot of stuff going on in this church. And it's not to guilt trip you into it, not to make you feel bad about it. You have to do it. I mean, it's a get to. And, and the reason we encourage you to supply your part of the service is because we know you can be a blessing to everyone else here. And we also know that it's better to give than to receive. And as you begin to give, you might just find some more joy from the Lord rather than just being a taker all the time. What kind of church member are you? For Whitfield Baptist Church to hit its mark, every member has to be striving for the gospel, all pulling in the same direction. Every member has to be striving to shine as brightly as you possibly can, as you can for the Lord Jesus Christ. How's your reflection of Jesus to this world? And supply your part of the service of this church in this lost and dying world. You remember that saying, that a chain is only as strong as its weakest link. This church is only as strong as its weakest link. Is that you? Supply your service. Shine 
as brightly as you can for Christ. Strive together with one another for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time together this morning. Pray that you please bless your word in Jesus' name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, just a moment of invitation. I think you heard from the word and the Lord, and uh, surely God's spoken to your heart. There's a lost and dying world that needs Jesus, and we need to be a part of that effort. And you'd say, preacher, this morning, I want to do my part. I don't want to be the link, uh, weakest link. I want to be a link in this uh, fellowship. And I got a lot out of that uh, being a companion in the labor. The Confella soldiers. What a blessed description of a Christian. That we're fellow soldiers. We're companions in the labor. That's why it's so good to be together again. And striving together for the furtherance of the gospel. And to reach a lost and dying world. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. But you'd say, preacher, this morning, God has spoken to my heart about being more of a part, and I want to do my part, and I want God to use me to reach the lost and dying world more in this coming year than last year. And I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up high for a prayer request? I got both mine up. I want to see God use. I want to take the next step, and I don't want to retire. I want to refire. I want to be faithful. Is there anyone here say, Preacher, I can't be faithful and I can't be in the wonderful, exciting work of the furtherance of the gospel and striving and doing my part because I'm not even saved. If I died today, I'd go to hell. And I don't want to go to hell. If I died today, I'd say it's been a wasted life for self and the world and the devil. But by the grace of God, I need to be saved. And I want you to please pray for me. Four were saved yesterday. Two were saved, uh, one young lady was saved last Wednesday night. That's what it's all about. Just like Brother Kevin preached, that's what it's all about. And you're what it's all about if you're lost this morning because we want to pray for you. And you'd say, Preacher, I'm not sure, absolutely sure that I'm saved and I can't be that bright light that Brother Kevin preached about and I want you to pray for me. Would you slip your hand up if you're not saved? We want to pray for you. We won't come to you, we won't embarrass you. We want to do the most we could ever do for you. We want to pray for you during this invitation hymn. Anyone? All hearts clear? God, thank you for this great message. And thank you, God, for the challenge. It's challenged my heart. And I hope it's challenged our church to be co-laborers and fellow soldiers and companions in this ministry. And Lord, what a blessing it is to be striving together for the gospel, trusting you to supply. And Lord, I pray that you'd use this message in our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen.